Ms. Leah Baer. Terry, I did too. I'm just so grateful to be doing this and so joyous to live in a time when women are connecting with women, when women are telling the truth. Oh, now I'm going to cry about the things that have happened to them and that we can tell them without shame, without guilt, and that we can live our lives fully and live in our bodies joyfully. And I'm doing that now. It took me a while to get here. Well, 73 years. And, and, and I, I say I'm old, and I say it with, with pride, because there were times in my life when I didn't want to live. And if certain things hadn't happened in my life, I wouldn't be here. And yes, there are things that go along with age. I've got wrinkles, and I've got that crepey skin, you know, that they tell you that you should be taken care of, and, and I've got a funky knee from a cycling accident a long time ago, so stairs are a little iffy at times, but that comes along with age. Well, if you've been a bicycle racer, it particularly does, but I'm happy to live in this body, and I know that it sounds silly, because obviously you're all living in your bodies, but there was a time in my life when I lived outside of my body. My mother was the one who gave my body away, and in a strange way, she was the one who taught me the things that I needed to know to save my life. But it took a long time to get here. And in the midst of that journey, I also learned that freedom it doesn't come in this wonderful explosion the way it does in movies, you know, where there's this big, marvelous moment. It comes in degrees. Sometimes you can hold freedom in your hand and you don't even know that you've got it. But it's, it's, it's something you hold in your hand to bring you to the next place. And there were a lot of times I held freedom in my hand and I didn't realize that I had it. And I didn't have this my mother was an extraordinary woman, born in 1905, and she was a woman who gave me stories. She taught me to love literature and ballet and opera, and she told me the stories of her life. And she told me that when she was five years old, her parents died. Her aunt and uncle adopted her, and her uncle raped her when she was 12, and he kept raping her until she ran away from home it wasn't exactly home. And when she ran away, they caught her, they brought her back. And when she told the truth of what happened to her, nobody believed her. There weren't places for women to go to talk about things like this. So she ran away again. She made it to Hollywood. And she got into the movies. And she sang in speakeasies. She was in Fred Astaire and Ginger Roger movies. And when I listened to those stories that she told me, that sounded like freedom to me. She even took me to the movies to see the movie called Flying Down to Rio, where she was dancing on the wing of an airplane, a flying airplane. And I thought, wow, that's freedom. 
And she rode the carousel. And in those days, they don't do it anymore because it's too dangerous, you could be in the carousel and you could reach out and you could grab a golden ring without hopefully not falling off the uh, carousel horse. But she didn't fall and she caught the ring and she gave, she won a prize and she gave the prize to me. And she just seemed so magical and free. And when McCarthy came and talked about communism, we lived in Hollywood, my mother had secret meetings in our house where everybody talked about how they could defeat McCarthy, what they could do. And she seemed so wondrous and free to me. But there was also violence in our home. And in those days, we didn't have battered women. Well, of course we did, but we didn't have the language for it. There were no centers, no places for women to go to. And women often weren't telling one another the truth about what was happening to them because it wasn't safe to do so. There weren't safe places. But twice, she took me and ran away from my father. And that felt like freedom both times, except that he found us and brought us back both times. The last time he brought us back, we moved out of Hollywood and we went to a place called Chatsworth and we started a horse rescue ranch. And my mother called it Horse Heaven Ranch. Everybody brought us the the broken horses, the crazy horses, the dangerous horses, and we rehabilitated them and sold them, sometimes gave them to good homes. And my mother was so happy to do this. It was heaven for the horses, but it wasn't so much for my mother and me, particularly my mother. In my bedroom, there were holes on the wall from where my father's fist went through. There were holes where sometimes his, her head went through. She was a little person. She was about five feet tall. And I grew taller and bigger all the time. By the time I was 12 years old, I pretty much had this body 40 pounds thinner, but pretty much this body. No 12-year-old needs this body. I didn't know what to do with it. And I tried to forget about it. Um, I tried to spend all my time on horses and, and to forget that I had a bosom, which everybody was looking at. But with the horses, I felt safe. But it got less and less safe in our home. Pretty soon I took the pictures of horses that that I had, tore them out of magazines and put them over the holes on the walls. And when I won blue ribbons for riding my horses, I put those over the holes on the walls because those were the days when you didn't talk about things. Those were the days when you hid everything. And on the surface, my father looked absolutely great. He was a 4-H leader. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was so honorable. And he had this marvelous way of training horses that was so gentle. But inside the house, that wasn't the story. My mother had always believed in spirits. She always believed that her mother would be reincarnated one day. And the more violent my father became inside the house, never outside, the more my mother began to drift away. Pretty soon my mother was in her own room with Mozart. She danced with Mozart. 
That is, Mozart came to visit her and danced with her. I would come home from school and I didn't see Mozart, but she did. But it was helping her to stay somewhat sane. But she got thinner and thinner and smaller and smaller. It felt like her bones were like those baby sparrows we tried to save who fell from trees. And when I held her, I seemed so massive compared to my little mother who was crying a lot. In the bedroom, I would hear her cry, and he heard her during sex. Afterwards, she would come to my bed, and I would hold her, and I felt like her mother because by then, I was nine inches taller than my mother. And I, I felt like I needed to protect her. And back in the days when I was admiring her for all her courage and strength and grabbing carousel rings and dancing on wings, she bought me any book, any comic, anything I wanted that was about reading. And I fell in love with a character named Sheena. Sheena wore leopard print. Sheena could do anything Wonder Woman could do, only she did it better. And she did it in a leopard print monokini. And she wore bracelets like this. She rode a friggin' zebra. She had a dagger. She had a spear. And she went swinging through the jungle. You know, Wonder Woman was always getting tied up. This never happened to Sheena. She was my hero. And in a way, I kept sort of embodying these, these women of strength, these points of strength, these women who seemed like strength. My mother on the wing of the plane, my mother grabbing the golden ring, and Sheena. But I was also a 12-year-old girl. I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. And it really wasn't my job to take care of my mother But there were no domestic violence centers. There was no place to go. And as my mother grew ever more fragmented, pretty soon my mother said, I know who you are. You're my reincarnated. You're my mother. You're Lily. How could I not have known it all this time? You're Lily. You've come here to help me, to save me. And she absolutely thought I could save her. And remember that these were days when you couldn't go to school and talk about anything. I mean, you couldn't talk about the things that we talk about now. And she begged me to keep her from being hurt by my father. She begged me, because she didn't think it was me anymore, to have sex with my father. She, on the day that it happened, she promised me that he would never hurt me. I don't think she knew that she was lying. And she put perfume on me, just behind my ears and my wrists, and curled my hair. And then I had the first sex with my father, and it wasn't gentle. But outside the window there were horses, All the horses that we had were just outside in the pasture. And I could hear them nickering. I could hear them calling. And every time sex happened, 
with my father. And it wasn't something that even happened in a bedroom. It happened wherever he wanted it, whenever he wanted it. There were the horses. And I imagined, I imagined that I was walking through the red hearts of horses. I could hear their heartbeat. And it sounds crazy, but it really helped me to get through things. It kept me sane in a way. But back in the days when my mother always bought me any book I wanted, she told me, books will always be your friends. A book will never hurt you. She also (laughs) didn't send me to school until the third grade. Not because she necessarily wanted to homeschool, but because she said, what do teachers do? They read books, and then they tell you what they learned. Skip the teachers. Teach yourself. And although what was happening was horrible, I felt that I could protect my mother, and I kept reading any book I could get. I kept trying to find answers. There wasn't much written about domestic violence then, but I began to try to find ways that we could get free, that my mother and I could escape. I was also afraid that if I did anything, the horses would be abandoned and bad things would happen to them. And those were hard choices for a 12-year-old to make. But by the time I was 14... I don't know how I got my hands on this book. I read a book called The Second Sex by Simone de Beauvoir. And in the book, she talks about patriarchy. I didn't know what patriarchy was. I was a girl who rode horses bareback. I, I didn't know. But, I, but she began to explain how men, or a certain kind of man, has created the world. And women, women have been expected to sort of fit into that and that there were other ways. And Simone de Beauvoir said, woman is not born woman, rather she becomes woman. And somehow at 14, I got it. I got that I could make choices about who I am, who I was, that other people were telling us what we needed to do, what it meant to be a woman. And I began to understand some things. Um, While the only time I really lived in my body was when I was on horseback or when I was in my classes, I began to live in my body more as I read this book. I began to figure out ways that we could escape, and eventually my mother and I did escape and get away from, from my father. And that, there's a lot more to the story, but that... I think, was the beginning of freedom, and it helped to free her as well. And I guess I should stop here. Thank you.